On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors season is in the books. The playoffs have begun and we begin the autopsy. Today, we take a look at the season as a whole, why it was a failure, how much of a failure was it, and also, what were we the most wrong about? There's a lot of stuff we were wrong about. We'll get into all of that today with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. As usual on a Monday, let's get to it. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1382, I think, of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, April the 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I cover the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram, Lockdown Raptors. You can also go and follow, subscribe to, rate and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. A huge thank you to the everyday listeners. If you are an everyday listener of the show, let us know in the comments. I would love to know who's tuning in to look at me every single day just so i could know who's truly truly a sick puppy out there uh i love you don't don't get don't get it misconstrued uh today's show is brought to you by prize picks first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 with the promo code locked on that's prizepicks.com promo code locked on all right let's get to it it's monday we're back in the regular swing of things vivek jacob is along it's big v monday and we are beginning to just pick apart all that went wrong over the course of this Toronto Raptors season. We're going to do player reviews. We'll start those tomorrow as we dig in player by player as to, you know, who did well, what went wrong for them, what's their future with the team. But we'll start today with sort of a big picture view. Big V, welcome in, buddy. It's uh, It's been a few days now. You're the first person I've had on the podcast to talk to uh, other than the YouTube commenters in the chat on Thursday night or Wednesday night, whenever the hell that game went down. And uh, I'm excited to kind of dig into this with you. Uh, first off, uh, sort of big takeaways from the end of the season. Obviously, we don't need to relitigate the game itself. It was awful. Big, big collapse. They really pooped the bed there, huh? Um, but, you know, you've been thinking about it now, surely like me, for a few days since it all. What, what's sort of uh, top of mind now as you reflect upon what went wrong for the 2022-23 Toronto Raptors? Yeah, I mean, a lot went wrong. Uh, don't come out with too hot a take here or anything <laughs> like that. But, you know, if we want to get into, like, what are we getting into, like, expectations coming in yet? I mean, just... yeah, yeah, sure. If you want to do that, we can dive right on it. I was, you know, if you have more sort of big picture thoughts as to how it all went down, that's cool too. But yeah, we can dive right into the expectations. Yeah, stuff. I mean, so then based on the first question, I'll just quickly say that, like, I actually haven't spent too much time thinking about what went wrong because, hmm. like, I think it was pretty established in the first couple months what was hmm. wrong. And that just continued um, for the remainder of the season, except for, like, actually getting a center right mm -hmm. um all the other issues kind of remained um and so i haven't spent too much time thinking about what went wrong i've spent a lot more time about you know kind of how the off season should play out and mm -hmm. what are the things you have to consider and i think from that the biggest takeaway is like the extent to which I personally have pretty much everything on the table <laughs> is, is something I would not have envisioned 
coming into the season. Yeah, that's fair, man. I think, you know, we're a year removed, less than a year removed from Ben Golliver dropping a piece. Uh, I think it was the Washington Post about how the Raptors are a sleeping giant in the Eastern Conference. Everyone was in on the Raptors. Take the over on the Raptors. Um, you know, the, the sort of flexibility they had with the good contracts they had on the roster the obviously scotty barnes effective at all winning rookie of the year being very high on people's minds as far as you know future stars in the league and that could still very much come to fruition i think scotty barnes was better this season than he gets credit for probably we'll talk about that when we get to his player review later on in this week but uh, yeah the uh, let's let's dig into the sort of the expectations versus what actually happened right i i think you know there were sort of a couple tiers of expectation. I think one was they take the big leap. They're really good right away. They go in 50 plus games. They're making the second round like they're really building upon and taking the logical next step from what last year was. I think the sort of in-between level of expectation was maybe they flirt with 50 wins. You know, they flirted with it last year. There's no reason why they shouldn't flirt with it again. They didn't lose really any talent from last season. They brought in Otto Porter Jr. That worked great. Uh, you know, internal development, that type of stuff. This team can go win 50 games, but maybe... They lose in a tough Eastern Conference in the first round or what have you, but the sort of over-the-season growth of the team is the thing that you pull away as the piece of success. Obviously, they fell well short of that. The Vision 6-9 thing, not happening. Doesn't work. You can't just have all the same guys on the floor unless they have the requisite skills for each position that have been established over 100 years of professional basketball, and the arrival of Jakob Pertl was obviously the sort of counter to that. Is there... Let's start here. Is there any glimmer, any sort of kernel of success, quote unquote, that you can pull from the back part of the season after the Yak of Pirtle trade? The way the Raptors played with Yak, they were, I believe, 17th in offense, 6th in defense. They were 11th in net rating during that time. Uh, I think they went 17 and 12 or 18 and 12 after February the 1st. Like, there was a strong finish here. It wasn't the same closing kick they had last season where they just, like, steamrolled the league for two months. Um, but as you sort of evaluate this season, obviously on the whole, it's a failure. Is there anything from the last couple of months that you would point to as actually like that is maybe a bit of a success point for this team? Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a success point, but mm -hmm. I would say that, you know, in I'm very OK with a team saying, hey, we're building a new let's experiment. Let's try something. And for them, it was this Vision 6-9. And I am glad that they reached its conclusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and said, okay, it's clear that they need a big body. They need help. And they went out and got Jakob Pertl. Um, I'm still skeptical of that being the most ideal fit at center, as long yeah. as uh, Siakam and Barnes are together on the team. Mm -hmm. uh, but that acceptance is a step in the right direction. So I will say that is a positive. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, it's obviously not going to be the easiest thing to iron out those three guys. I do think there are avenues to it. I think the avenue is just munching the paint and just being like a, an all time great scoring at the rim team, which, hey, it's going to take a lot to get there. Uh, like, it's not something you're going to do overnight. I don't think they had enough runway down the stretch of the season to really massage that fit. I do think, however, the defensive uptick that we saw it feels real. Like, and I think. 
if anything, obviously this team needs some major surgery in the offseason, whether it's you're, you're the person who thinks one of the, the core guys is where the surgery needs to be done or the sort of back two thirds of the roster is where the surgery needs doing. Um, I think we can all agree something has to be done to this roster to better prepare it for the rigors of an 82 game season. Um, and I do think as much as there's probably a lot of push to see some of these guys moved out. There's a very real chance that they just bring back that starting five, which had really strong returns. They were one of the best lineups in the league after the trade deadline. I, I think there's there's a there's a planet on which that lineup comes back next season and is the driving force of a successful year for the Raptors. It was not the driving force of a successful year this season, of course. Um, as far as other things that you know, kind of compared to preseason expectation, was there something that you were particularly let down by? Um, you know, obviously the whole team as a whole let everybody down. In comparison to preseason expectation, but kind of narrowing in, was there one thing that really stood out as that's the thing that's the most disappointing failure of this season? Yeah, unquestionably the defense. I mean, yeah. most people, most people would have expected that the Raptors would be a top five defensive team coming into this season. When you looked at last season, and these were conversations that we had last year coming in where I was like, you know what? There's a very new team. I don't th- don't expect them to be that good defensively because there's going to be a lot of growing pains. And mm-hmm. we saw the growing pains through the first three months-ish of last season. Mm-hmm. And then they figured it out. And then everything clicked. And so you would have expected that to you know carry over into the start of this season. And it just absolutely did not. Mm-hmm. And so for them to be as disappointing as they were defensively, I think there's valid, uh, you know, uh, criticisms to be made or, you know, debate points to be had about how much, you know, the league just catching on to the defense uh, factored in. Mm-hmm. But I also think just in terms of general execution, it was nowhere near the level of where it should have been. Yeah, I think the flaw in the defense was very much put on display for all to see this year. You mentioned sort of catching the league off guard last year. That was certainly part of it, right? Like how many teams were ready for what the hell is this? Why are there nine wings on the floor right now? Why is the whole court comprised of arms like some sort of body horror? It's awful. Um, This year, they were more prepared for it. And specifically... The way they play is pretty easy to prepare for. If you have like a, a big heads up that it's coming, it's like, oh, they're going to send extra attention. Let's look to exploit the parts of the floor where they're not, right? And, and let's, you know, work our, our magic and work in a flow of an offense where we can get out of the ball, get the ball out of the hands of the guy who's seen extra attention and have it flow from there. And, you know, until Yaka Pirtle arrived, there was no back line of defense to clean up all of the messes that inevitably seeped through. That, I think, is a really good one. It's just a small one, but I think it does kind of have a lot of trickle-down effects for me. Is just, I think Precious Achua's development kind of stunting was really damaging for this team. Um, You know, I think he would have been their best shot at having a real center in the first part of the season had he not gotten injured, which obviously you can't control. That sucked that he missed so much time. Um, But, you know, he wasn't great before he got hurt. He had a little stretch after he got back where he looked really strong. Yak and trade happens. It all throws him back out of whack again. The three-point shot was not there all season. The offensive uh, misadventures were still prominent with him. Um, and I think I was banking on 
at least a reasonable facsimile of the player we saw after the you know February or after after the, the calendar turned last year to January. Um, and I think not getting anything close to that outside of a couple little flourishes here and there just had so many effects up and down the roster. The depth was compromised, the defensive viability, the offensive viability, like so many things hinged on Precious. I talked all last season about how he's the guy who can unlock Vision 6-9. Turns out he was also the guy that locked the box, threw away the key, and tossed the ball. The, the box into the bottom of the sea um we will come back on the other side we're going to dig into some more stuff things that we learned things that we were also very wrong about here's where we get to say how wrong we were you get to point and laugh as though you the listener and viewer were also not hilariously wrong about a lot of stuff as well because this is sports baby um and only my opinions are right <laughs> uh we're gonna come back on the other side get into that but first Gotta tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who've made daily fantasy sports super fun, super easy, super accessible. And what a better time to dive on in than the NBA playoffs, where there are games every night. You don't have your season long fantasy team to worry about anymore. Hopefully, you're not playing that game anymore, and you're just playing daily fantasy sports with Prize Picks to fill the fantasy void in your life. But during the postseason, this is the place to be, because all you gotta do is pick two to six players who are playing that night, and whether they'll go more or less than their Prize Picks proje- projection in a certain stat category, if you get all six right, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry there's no competing against other people it's just you against the projections that are available and maybe you don't want to just do nba playoff ball we get later in the playoffs there's going to be fewer games on every night that's okay the nhl playoffs start tonight you can get in on the hockey action the wnba season starts soon that's there as well you also got baseball all season long and we know there are bazillion baseball games for daily fantasy sports purposes so go check them out they have safe and fast withdrawals entries can be made in 60 seconds or less and they're currently operational in over 30 states in canada and every province but ontario download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 with the promo code locked on that means if you put in 100 bucks prize picks is going to give you 100 to hang out with that original 100 bucks in your account what a great deal that is don't forget to download uh, download the app and enter the promo code locked on at prize at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 with prize picks all right, continuing on, your first listen of the day here. Shout out to the everydayers out there. Also, just a heads up, a week from today, you're going to want to be tuned into the YouTube channel as Ranking Every Raptor makes its glorious return after a two-year hiatus. I'm not writing it anymore because guess what, Big V? Writing is hard. Doing podcasts and videos, a little easier. Uh, so we're going to go through and uh, do the Ranking Every Raptor update. 269 Toronto Raptors players to rank, and I will be counting them all down over the course of the offseason on the Lockdown Raptors. YouTube channel so go on and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss a single Lamarck Baker take guess what I just gave it away Lamarck Baker's first baby two minutes in the NBA in his entire career 0 for 1 from the field what a story we're gonna talk about that next week what a tease all right big V things we were wrong about let's uh let's take a look back at some of the things we might have said about the Toronto Raptors at the start of the year that were hilariously wrong uh I'll give you the floor is there something that comes to mind that you were especially wrong about in your uh prognostications for this 2022-23 team yeah I mean I think besides the defense I would probably have to go with thinking the three-point shooting might improve Mm. um obviously part of that was Otto porter jr being part uh, being part of the rotation uh and then you look at obviously precious achua's disappointment but no one was more disappointing in that regard than fred van fleet right Mm. he is uh 
coming in the best three-point shooter on the team when you factor in volume and everything. And I think uh, you look at his shooting splits, the fact that he shot, you know, just 34% before the all-star break, then after the all-star break, even though, you know, it felt like he was playing better, uh, it was still only at 33%. Uh, And there were some good takeaways to be had from his pick and roll with the Jakob Bertl. But for the most part, uh, this was an underwhelming season for him. And yeah. I think that uh, the three-point shooting is something that is going to have to be heavily addressed. I don't know how much it can be addressed with all that needs to be done. I mean, Gary Trent Jr., uh, that w- w- has been kind of a disappointment as well after the All-Star break, right? Mm, yeah. uh, especially. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, his up and down play, all of that factored in, like, as good as OG and Obi was, it would have been nice uh, to get more of a support uh, from the other two guys. I mean, Gary finishes the season at, you know, 36.9% is fine. Um, But I would say on the whole, it it was pretty underwhelming for him as well. So yeah, I I probably, you know, and it's not like I expected the Raptors to be like a top 10 three point shooting team or anything. Right. It was more like they, you could see the path to being out of this cellar and kind of getting into the top, I would say 15 to 18 range somewhere there, I think was reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were nowhere close. That was the thing, man. It's like they only had to be average on <laughs> a lot of the things offensively because the way they play the, the possession game, the way they hammer the offensive glass and the way their defense eventually kind of figured itself out down the stretch. Like they didn't have to be a barn burning, incredible offensive team. It would be nice in an NBA where all the teams that are good are apparently incredible at offense, but I don't know if you could have predicted that massive seed change in the way the game is played over the course of just one year, going from, you know, kind of a regular season into the most scoring forward season we've ever seen. Maybe that's something to address going forward if you're the Raptors. How do you get more scoring punch as the league tilts more that direction? Um, but yeah, like the, the sort of... The... The lack of like an outlier great season, I think, is also a pretty important thing here, too, with with a three-point shooting. Like, you didn't get Precious Achua bouncing back with a 38% clip from deep. You didn't get Chris Boucher bouncing back to have his Tampa season where he shot 39% and was awesome, right? Like, you got a, a bit of a bounce back from Boucher, but not really a tangible one. A huge, massive drop-off from Achua. You didn't get, like, just someone popping with the, oh, okay, this is a dude who does bomb threes for us, like Luke Kennard became for the Grizzlies after yeah. the deadline. And not getting those little pops of uh, you know, surprising against expectations positive play, that's a really big negative yeah. here as well. And I think that ties into sort of the bigger questions. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so Fred Van Vliet uh, took the most pull-up threes for the team. Mm-hmm. was at 33%. Gary Trent Jr. took the second most pull-up threes for the team and mm-hmm. was at 29.9%. Yeah. It's not good enough. Like you got to shoot pull-up threes. It's got to be a threat. Uh, I think this also maybe goes to a thing I was wrong about, which was, ah, they can figure out the backup point guard spot between Scotty and Pascal. No, it turns out uh, reliable guard play, much like reliable center play, uh, two hallmarks of uh, successful basketball for time in memoriam, Probably a good idea to have multiple guys who can play the point guard spot. Maybe that frees Fred Van Vliet up to not have his bones crumble to dust over the course of an 82-game season playing 40 minutes a night. Maybe that makes his three-point shooting that 1% or 2% more viable. Um, and, and that's a, you know we'll get into that as well. I, I think I want to talk about the sort of roster-building situation in a sec here. But um, I, <laughs> I'm going to read from a blog post. 
I don't do that anymore, really. I kind of retired after three Substack posts this year. But Big V, in the spirit of just acknowledging things we were wrong about, I was, like, out of control during the first two weeks of the season. They had that 40-point win over the terrible Spurs, and I was like, yep, done. They're on their way. I had a podcast where I was like, could they be this year's version of the Grizzlies of last year? That didn't work out so hot. Um, and I, I just I felt like we were kind of in the very early stages of something pretty special. Here is a passage from my piece uh, where I uh, wrote, it was entitled, What If the Raptors Are Just Really Good? Uh, <laughs> already hilarious. Let's dive in, shall we? Quote, I picked the Raptors to win 51 games this year, which felt reasonable. They won 48 a year ago despite having their five best players together for only like a quarter of the games and then didn't lose anyone of note. The additions of Otto Porter Jr. shooting and Christian Coloco's general largeness felt like decent half solutions to some of Toronto's bigger through line issues, and the impending lead-wide tank-off felt good for a couple extra stat-patty wins late in the year. Not entirely untrue. Thank you, uh, Indiana Pacers and Charlotte Hornets. Uh, bold, considering the, str the strength atop the conference, but reasonable. Through eight games, I'm starting to entertain the unreasonable, which e with each game, I'm left wondering if we're currently in the moment we'll look back on in 10 years as quote-unquote the beginning, not dissimilar to how Bucks fans might look back on Giannis's spindly early career phase that preceded him becoming the best player alive. End quote. Boy, oh boy, I was uh, drinking the, the Kool-Aid in the first couple weeks of the season there, Big V. Um, off of that, do you still think there is, you know, I've talked about this idea a little bit this year, the concept of, yes, this was a disappointing season, but there is a world in which the sort of leap that we all expected for a team that looked really bloody good a year ago from today, uh, maybe it just comes in like a one-year delay, and we see the team kind of do what we thought it would this year, next season. Do you think that's still even on the table? Do you think the hope of this sort of group, you know, I, I continue to think Scotty Barnes is the vehicle by which this team's ceiling gets raised, and I think you can build a really good supporting cast around him with the players you already have in house. I do think there is a pathway to this team being pretty good with the current players and some tweaks at the back end of the roster or massive overhauls. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there, there are degrees here, but um, is that dream just gone after this season? Like, do you think that's totally off the table of like a really sort of uproarious season where they kind of everything clicks and they become sort of like a darling of the league like the Grizzlies were last season? Yeah, I, first off, like growth isn't linear. So, uh -huh. you know... I would say if they had won fewer games this season, that would not have necessarily been failure coming in. I yeah. think it's it's the manner in which things have played out uh, that raises a lot of eyebrows and questions. And I think, you know, in terms of the of the identity of this franchise and what it's been over the last decade or so, uh, a big part of that was the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. I wrote about this recently for raptors.com. And I think that's where this playing style, I don't think lends to that mm -hmm. uh, because of the way the offense is structured. And it's just like, Hey, every time down the floor, you're looking for that mismatch. Obviously that's changed a bit with Jakob Pertl in the mix. And there's been a bit more ball movement for sure. But I think on the whole, uh, that style of play, doesn't lend towards the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. And mm -hmm. so I think you need to address that part of it first. And then you can get to, okay, yeah, there's a path forward to really level up next season. And so mm -hmm. 
I'm not sure that that path exists without some type of adjustment to the roster. Yeah, I, I think adjustment to the roster, I think probably an adjustment to just the general style of play, honestly. Like, it, it's so demanding the way they do it. Um, they also invite a lot of variance with the way they play, and that can kind of impede your forward progress because you get hit by a barrage of corner threes by humps, and, you know, it kind of feels worse than it is. It, it's, yeah. I, it, I did not think we'd be sitting here at this time a year ago thinking, where the hell do they go from here? What does this team look like? Are like kind of counting down the days until the coach is announced that he's no longer the coach of the team, all of that stuff. Like it's uh speaking of expectations, like this is certainly not within the realm of what I thought this season was going to hold. Even if I think like you look at the grand scheme of the league, you look at the grand scheme of a lot of teams that are going through a lot of stuff and, you know, have constant worries, even teams that are in the playoffs that have a lot of, you know, toil and despair and roster drama and all of that. Um, I don't think it's as bad as it feels right now, uh, you know, on the heels of an embarrassing play and loss sort of in the grand scheme of the league, but certainly um, thought things would feel a lot more sort of preordained and sort of what like the next steps would feel very obvious. It, it felt like they were going to be on a traditional track of young team forms into very good team sort of progressively like we see with a lot of teams over the years. And it just did not happen that way at all. Um, we're going to come back on the other side, get into uh, some stuff that we learned maybe about the team building, about, um, you know, the thoughts that, that, you know, from this season that are going to inform the way we think about the Raptors and basketball going forward. Big picture stuff, baby. We'll get to that in just one sec before we do that. However, got to tell you, better friends over at Built Bar, you know, you, by now, you know, Built Bar is the way to go. If you are like me and like a late night snacker, I am really trying to curb this. It's such a bad habit. It's so bad for me. I'm constantly like a little goblin in my cupboards looking for food at 1230 in the morning uh, or at night, whatever the hell time it is. That's the thing. Like, it's not a time you should be eating. That's the point. And uh, I still can't help it. So Built Bars have been a great way for me to wean off of the more disgusting treats that I throw down my gullet at 1230. Instead, I can have something that's actually good for me, that's got protein, that feels like I'm cheating when I'm actually not. That is the beauty of Built Bar. They're healthy and they taste amazing. They are all covered in 100% real dark chocolate as well. Real chocolate, none of that fake stuff. It's real, it's delicious, and they come in great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, my favorite, and cookies and cream, plus so, so many more under the sun. There's the flavor for everybody. Maybe you don't like the peanut butter brownie. Maybe you have a nut allergy. That's okay. They have allergy-friendly bars as well. They have their, their granola bars. They got their puffs. They have all of the different things you might want. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein in your standard bar. That are some great macros, baby. You can also go right now to your local Walmart or Sam's Club if you're in the States, while you can still get your specialty flavors at, st- at Built.com. But you can get those classic flavors like peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, chocolate or chocolate coconut puff, all of that. Let's go, 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 go check them out. At, Sam Cl- at Sam's Club, at Walmart, Built Bar is a place to go. Also, Built.com if you want those more specialty flavors. Let's go. All right, we continue on here uh, as I sweat out in this very hot room, V. Like, it got cold outside, and yet my apartment it still has the latent heat from the weekend, and I'm melting. Let's run through <laughs> this final segment, shall we? Uh, things we learned about team building, about uh, maybe things that we learned about the Raptors and their foibles or whatever. Um, was there anything from this year, Big V, that you kind of look at as, that's the thing I'm going to take away as far as it's going to inform the way I think about basketball, team building, the Raptors franchise going forward. Um, 
I think probably reaffirmed the fact that you need, uh, you know, just different options on your roster. Yeah. And, you know, Fred said it after the last off season, right? Not even this one, like last off season, he was like, Hey, division six, nine stuff should be viewed as a tool in the toolbox. Yeah. Not the entire toolbox. Mm-hmm. And now he's leaned in on, Hey, we just need a new identity. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that part is clear. I think that, um, if there's probably something bigger picture that I've learned, uh, with this franchise, it's that you can't kind of take winning for granted. And over the last decade, if you exclude the Tampa season, the Raptors have averaged 51 wins a season. Mm -hmm. And especially coming off the second half of last season, we all were just like, hey, Masai. Raptors doing their Raptors thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is what they do, right? And uh, yeah, it takes work. Uh, It it takes serious work and commitment every single day. And uh, there are consequences, like the stuff we praise them for, um, you know, through their best years where they were able to constantly sort of replenish the roster by dealing guys at opportune times and, you know, just keeping that going, because let's face it, you're not, you know, a buzz free agent location. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when you constantly churn the roster over that way, uh, you're able to maintain that success. But now you get the other side of it where Kawhi, Danny, Mark, Serge, all gone for nothing. Mm -hmm. It shows, right? And so there, at some point, you are going to have to bite the bullet on that. Uh, We were hoping as well that, uh you know tampa would be the only bullet yeah uh, and and now i think uh you've got to show that you can bounce back from this right so now you know you've missed the playoffs two of the last three years and you don't want to start that trend now mm-hmm. right you mm-hmm. want to get back on course and this is a huge huge colossal summer in ensuring that yeah absolutely i, I think to sort of add to your point like Really, really was hammered home that the Raptors are not special this year, right? Like, <laughs> to your point, made it feel like they were special. Like, they were some sort of, like, uh, like destiny to the Raptors and the franchise, like, under Masai Ujiri's, you know, tutelage, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Masai like, just had to say we will win in Toronto, and you just win in Toronto. And it just <laughs> happens. And like, hey, it did happen. So, like, of course I'm going to take him at face value when he says he's going to do it again. Like, that yeah. man lived up to his promise, but... Um, you know, it's really hard to like, there's luck involved all over the place in the NBA. I mean, you know, just, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole this hypothetical, but like, imagine the Raptors jump up to three in the 2021 draft and not four, right? And Evan Mobley is their center, right? Like that (laughs) things look different. Yeah. Maybe different, substantially so like there's so much randomness. There's so many different inflection points where your franchise can kind of veer off the rails. I think honestly, Dating even back to the Gian, like the Giannis pursuit, the very clear telegraphed Giannis pursuit, like that was the franchise kind of going out of its own. This is the thing we do well, right? Like we do this well. It's like we we build and kind of create a good team over years and are always in the fight. And we turned that into Kawhi Leonard and won a title out of it. And then they tried to get sort of bigger than their britches and went outside of what they are, maybe because they thought they were special. And it's there's 30 teams in the NBA. 
No one's special. The Spurs were special for 20 years. That doesn't happen often. The Warriors are special because they have Steph Curry. Um, You're not special in the NBA unless you have one of the 10 to 15 best players of all time on your roster at a given time, really. Um, And I think kind of this was a good reminder of that this season was. To your point about different ways to play, I think this year, you know, you couple what happened the last couple seasons with injury, guys missing time. You also just factor in the way the league works now where teams are using the regular season as a testing ground as a way to sort of you know massage things not go full bore for 82 games necessarily because the playoffs are what matters most you're trying to you know there's load management all this stuff um you have to build your roster for 82 games and the raptors did not do that this year at all they built this roster for 16 games and they didn't even get to the 16 game dance like you have to have good players if you just do the math like, you just say average player now in today's NBA is going to play 70 games. And, and, like, the Raptors had a few guys who played more than that, a few guys who played fewer than that. But 70 is about the average for their core guys. If you do that and you just say, hey, all right, everyone's playing 70, that's 12 missed games for your, say, top six players on average. If you do the math on that, that's 84-man games worth of minutes. That's 4,032 minutes. You better hope those 4,032 minutes as a baseline are being played by competent basketball players. And to not have a viable backup center option just yet to Jakob Pertl, to not have a real backup to Fred Van Vliet, to only have seven or eight guys on the bench at any given time you can trust. Yes, part of it is they got unlucky with the, the Otto Porter injury and Thad Young kind of reaching the top of the hill and tumbling over it right as this season took place. Um, you know, I, I think they had higher designs for what their depth was going to look like, but they also banked a lot in the offseason on, well, internal growth is going to be what fills in our depth. And that was a bad bet. I think it was a justifiable bet at the time, but it was clearly a bad bet. And everything this offseason has to go into, how do we ensure we have good players to play in the minutes and are just not actively bad players to play in the minutes that are inevitably going to be lost to the rigors of an 82 game season. It's like in baseball. Now you don't build a 25 man roster in baseball. You build a 40 man roster to get through 162 games. You have a thousand bullpen arms. You can lean on at any time, all of whom you would have some level of trust in who have some level of pedigree. You just can't go into a season with seven guys you trust. It's just not going to work. Um, and the the NBA, as it evolves more, I think it's only going to become more abundantly clear that r- roster spots 11 through 15 actually have some value and maybe significant value to a team's overall odds. And with the top six being this sort of pretty difficult thing to punch into, right? Like you have to be very good to be a top six team in, in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, maybe not very good, but at least pretty good. Obviously the Nets are in there right now, but um, and I think there's a world in which the Raptors punch into there next year. But in order to get into that top six, to avoid the play-in weirdness, to avoid your season being derailed by a 10-year-old's yelps, um, you have to build a roster that can withstand 82 games. And uh, that, I think, is just sort of the thing I'm going to be thinking about a lot is how do they fill in the back part? Is there any chance they do that, by the way? Like, what's your level of optimism that with their draft pick, their, you know, the 13th overall pick, by the way, we're going to do our first tankathon sim at the end of the show here in just a second. Woo-hoo-hoo, 4.8% chance, baby. Let's go, Victor. Um, <laughs> Big V uh, Mondays will be changed to Big Victor every days if uh, Victor <laughs> Webinyama's a Toronto Raptor. Sorry, buddy. Um, but uh, yeah, like, what's your sort of outlook on the Raptors' ability to perform the surgery at the back part of their roster to give themselves a chance to hold up over the course of six months of rigorous regular season play? Yeah, I, I don't think the odds are in their favor just because they've 
really piled up the list of things. The to-do list mm. is very large for the Raptors. And mm -hmm. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously you got to see what happens with uh, the free agents first between Yak and Fred and Gary. And then you got to move from there. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you you have to nail that pick. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting debate for the front office where do they look at it and say, hey, we potentially don't have a first round pick the following year. Do we take as big a swing as possible mm. to get the best talent? Or do we get someone that, you know, really fits into the roster right now and can be a rotation mm. piece, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that's going to be an important debate um, as it is always with any draft. And so, yeah, I think they're up against it. Um, but if there's a front office, uh, I would take my chances with when the odds are against them. Hmm. Uh, I probably roll with Masai and Bobby. And, uh, you know, just to kind of sum up the conversation we've been having, mm -hmm. it's that the Raptors' process of winning, uh, you know, I, I think we, we, we've just kind of had uh, the glass shatter on it being foolproof, on it being losing proof, right? And mm -hmm. drafting well. Uh, development in it internally for shooting, right? I, I think even that uh, we took for granted a little bit with the way Norman Powell came along, with the way OG Adenobi came along, uh, uh, and, and, you know, beyond shooting as well, you look at the way the Raptors even developed like older players, right? Mm -hmm. Like Serge Ibaka was a great example of how he evolved uh, since becoming a Raptor. Uh, sure. And so that has also come a bit into question. And then finally, like, probably the biggest competitive advantage you would argue for the Raptors was the 905. Mm -hmm. And we have not seen a great sort of funnel yeah. in the last few years. Yeah, I'm going to have to dive into that sort of black box uh, in the offseason with someone who's a little more plugged into the 905 because it does feel like there's been a very serious sort of decay of that pipeline. Um, and I don't know if it's because they've drafted players who aren't NBA bound or is there something wrong with the coaching that's going on with the 905? I don't want to cast aspersions on Eric Curry and his staff or any other number of people who have coached down there the last couple of years. But um, it feels like ever since the pandemic that the sort of connection there has been dwindling. And also, I think other teams have realized, oh, we could use this as a competitive advantage. Like yeah. the Raptors were first to it and now everyone else is caught up. And so there's less of a very clear edge for them to carve out. Um, they got to work around it, right? The last thing I, th I think we can kind of also say is I, I learned this year, boy, oh boy, it was pretty awesome having Kyle Lowry on the Raptors for all those years, <laughs> huh? He made everything a whole lot better and easier, uh, but we don't need to linger on that one for too long. What we'll do now to close out the show, Big V, is uh, one last tankathon sim back to here, back to this hell. Uh, the Raptors are 13th. My hope is that by the time we get to the draft in July or June, that the Raptors have won it at least one time on a daily tankathon sim here. So let's do it. Got it up here. The Raptors have the 13th best odds, 4.8% at top four, 1% to get Wemby with the number one pick. Let's sim the lottery. Let's see. They didn't move up. Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Big V, anything you want to promote? <laughs> Usual stuff, rap, raptors.com. Um, you know, Masai Jiri is expected to speak with the media at some point this week. Yes. And so uh, I will be writing off that. And, and then we'll dig into the offseason. So you can check all that out at raptors.com. And besides that, you can see my usual tweets on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Everyone loves the tweets. Uh, tweets, everyone. The favorite currency of all people these days. Uh, we're going to leave it. If you want to get away from the Raptors? 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> there are lots of sports going on. There's the, the sports at the, the wazoo right now. It's great. Uh, <laughs> we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please go support the show by subscribing for free wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. It's always uh, very, very nice to get those subscriptions. Again, let us know if you're an everyday listener of the podcast, everydayers, let us know in the comments. That's uh, always very, very cool to see there. Um, and uh, yeah, Monday, we got Ranking Every Raptor coming back. Rest of the week, we got player reviews, and we will talk about Masai Ujiri's availability whenever it does go down as its own episode. And uh, yeah, thanks as always for tuning in. The off season is upon us, baby. It's going to be loaded. We got lots of good stuff planned and lined up. And uh, I'm looking forward to taking us into the draft and free agency and a very, very pivotal, contentious, scary off season for the team. We'll get into all of that as we get into the off season proper. Uh, with that, we'll leave you there. Thank you so much for tuning in. 